everybody. Welcome to today and welcome to Death Valley Girls podcast. I'm Bonnie and I talk to heroes about what excites them and we also talk about the mysteries of the universe. This week's guest is Celeste Bell. Celeste is an author and documentary filmmaker. She just made and started one of our favorite documentaries ever, Polystyrene I Am a Cliche. The movie is about punk and human icon Polystyrene, who is also Celeste Mont. Here we talk about the process of making a documentary, growing up Hare Krishna, and a lot about identity and counterculture. Please go check out Polly's Diarene I Am a Cliche. It really is one of the best movies. And if you like this podcast, please go support us on Patreon, Death Valley Girls at Patreon. Now, please welcome to your head and heart, Celeste Bell. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for coming here. No, thanks for having me. Very excited to talk to you today. Yeah, um, well, so uh, this is a Heroes podcast, and you are a hero. um, And I guess I uh, wanted to talk to you about all of that. Um, I watched your movie. We all saw Mm -hmm. your movie, and just it's like such a good movie for so many reasons. but I really wanted to talk to you about if, if you could talk about the movie for a little bit. And then I just want to talk to you about how you made it and uh, and what that was like. Yeah, so the film is a documentary feature um, and it's a music documentary, but it's also a sort of um, personal story. Um, looking at the relationship between myself and my mother, who was the front woman of X-Ray Spec, which is a punk rock band, UK punk rock band that she set up in 1976. Um, so it kind of explores, the film explores, you know, my mother's journey with X-Ray Specs, but also her life story. And then, as I mentioned before, our our relationship as well. Yeah, it's so amazing because I didn't know any of the stuff about you or your mom or um you know I think most people don't really know a story until it's told and I didn't realize how important the story would be to me um obviously until I saw it so uh, thank you so much for um making it and also I think your perspective uh is the only perspective that could have made it so like amazing. Cause you know, like I think a lot of times fans um, make movies and it's just a different perspective on it, but you making it and it be the part about you is so interesting. Um, I guess uh, it seems like I like at what point, how old were you when um, your mom like started uh, to move away from sort of like the like typical punk thing and into a more um, spiritual realm. Oh, that was um, when I was about six months old. Oh, okay, um, that's yeah. so cool. <laughs> so I was born in nineteen eighty one. And uh, my mother, she joined the Hare Krishna movement um, in 1982. 
two, but she was, I think when she was pregnant with me, she was um, already kind of visiting. Um, she had a friend, she had a couple of friends who were involved with this. So um, that's kind of how she got into it. But yeah, it was, it was 1982 oh, when wow. she joined yeah the Hare Krishna movement so that's so cool so your whole life what was within that realm of your mom's adventure uh yeah and so did you feel like you were always trying to figure out the before you part like before you were born the Cause I feel like anyone that's like, Oh, you were in a band, you know, or like, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, they, they were in a band. It's so hard to understand and explain what that is. You know what I mean? Unless, or, or I guess for anyone um, trying to figure out what their parents were like before them is really hard. But uh, I think this particularly um, was, how did, I, I, I know you talk about it in the movie, but can you talk about a little bit that journey of like, just trying to get to the bottom of, you know, such an extreme and cool counterculture is the punk scene. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it, it, you know, it's very interesting and it's interesting to explore. Um, you know, it was interesting to explore in the film because a lot of what, uh, you know, today we, we talk about something that's really important in culture is this idea of identity. Um, and, you know, when I was born, um, my mother had a very strong identity as a Hare Krishna devotee. Um, and so that was sort of who I knew my mother to be. But then before, you know, I was born, she was polystyrene. Um, and she had this completely different identity as, a, as, a, as an artist, as a punk rock sort of icon. Yeah. Um, and but I didn't know that person because she'd made already, you know, by the time I was born, she'd made a huge um, change in her life. And she'd kind of really like closed the door completely on polystyrene. And she'd sort of thrown her lot in completely with the with the Hare Krishnas. And she had a new name, Maharani, that was her Hare Krishna name. And that's kind of that was all I knew for. Right for my for most of my childhood although at the same time my mum when you know when I was a young child so before um I was four so between sort of birth and four years old um my mother was a bit like she had one leg in one leg out kind of thing um so we weren't living inside the temple we were just visiting um I was going to a sort of normal primary school like nursery school um you know church of england and like that and um so we'd go to the temple a lot uh but my mum was still doing interviews at that time um and people would still call her polly you know polly Cyrus. so she kind of had these she was juggling really these two identities when i was a very small child and i vaguely remember that period um but by the time i was four we went to live inside the temple and uh and really that was kind of over for my mum the sort of the polystyrene phase um but it was definitely something I was always aware of that she had she had this other persona this other identity and there were people that you know knew her as someone completely different to who right. I knew her and 
and then of course there was also my family like my grandpa my grandmother and my aunts and cousins and they knew my mum as you know Marion who she was before even polystyrene so it was just something that I was used to um I didn't really comprehend how unusual it was that one person would have so many different kind of names aliases personas um you know (laughs) yeah well I think that that's so interesting and important because I think typically most people's parents are just trying to fit in as you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like and I think the sort of like your mom's age and just just before that is people were like part of counterculture her to an extreme but like I think it's very new for people's parents to be part of counterculture so it's like I think most people probably that around our age are used to parents that are just trying to fit in like that's like that's all they want is just to fit in and do the thing that seems normal and like show that to the world and it's like I'm doing that thing I'm getting married I went to college all of that stuff so I think it's um it's super cool to just like obviously difficult too but super cool to just um have have a counterculture influence in your life and then uh to move from extremes but I mean to me it makes so much sense obviously because I feel feel like it really is a lot like me in a lot of ways and I'm sure a lot of people are saying that like whoa you know like the and the idea of identity just for some people your whole life is just trying to find it as opposed to before where I think people are just trying to fit in and I guess there's always been counterculture but like I feel like since the 50s it's been pretty like you know it's been more extreme in culture and um I just think it's so cool that uh, to follow, to follow your life, to find your identity. And then in her case, to find that, to have it be public, like to have it be something people are watching, like you find your identity. And then it's kind of seems like when people are like, yeah, you're Polly. It's like, that's not what I am, you know? And yeah. like, um, mm-hmm. but has that affected like how you, your identity and you're yeah yeah I mean of course it's been I think everything I went through as a child has you know shaped me as an adult to a large extent although I would say probably I reacted against you know um a lot of what my mum was doing just as children tend to want to to be different than their parents so for example I was um really not that interested in counterculture at all or you know being in any kind of alternative um you know scene um I was quite conventional as a as a child as a teenager definitely a lot more conventional than than my mother and also the world had really moved on a lot so I I grew up in in the 90s um I started going out and listening to music in the late 90s so this was a time when electronic music was much, um, much more popular. Um, you know, so I was into electronic music. I was into, you know, going to raves and things like that. It was a, a really different world, yeah. I think, than that that my mum had 
experienced in many ways. Um, I definitely wasn't into punk. Um, I, I really enjoyed my mum's music and I did listen to some other punk rock bands, but you know, I wasn't heavily into that scene at all. Um, and yeah, I think I, I was much more about, I found what I found interesting was actually like the more conventional lifestyles because those for me were in a way exotic. Um, yeah. So that is, so that is kind of, you know, it tends to happen. Um, I have friends who have very out there parents and they definitely tend to have been more conservative, let's say, in their, yeah. lifestyle, cho- in their lifestyle choices. I think it's a, it's, you know, it's, a, it's kind of to be expected. Yeah, um, totally. <laughs> no, yeah, I have friends, all my friends that their parents like smoked weed or whatever. They're like, oh, that's that's adult stuff. That's like boring, you know, like yeah. old people <laughs> stuff. And it's like, yeah, if your parents don't do that, you're like, that's the number one thing I want to do. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's so cool and interesting how we find. And how did how do you find you like sit with that now, like somewhere in the middle or what do you how do you feel about that? <laughs> I mean, I I think, you know, I would say I have a, a stronger sense of identity in the sense I'm not. um I don't have multiple identities like my mother. Um, although, of course, I was born in the in the Hare Krishna movement, so I also had a Hare Krishna name as a as a small child. Um, so there are some people who will still call me that. You know, like friends I have uh, from that period yeah. who will still call me uh, Radha Shakti. That was my Hare Krishna name, um, and it it's not a it doesn't feel strange or anything. I am able to. Um, yeah navigate that um yeah without it doesn't feel weird um however I would say yeah I've, I've kind of um I'm not as most people know me as Celeste and and uh you know I've, I've always kind of stayed more or less the same I think I'm a, a lot more grounded um when my mother was which you know is is good for my you know mental health <laughs> yeah. um but it's it you know I'm not as I'm not doing I'm probably not living as an as an exciting life as my mother. Um, <laughs> you just made a movie. I think you're living the most exciting life. I mean, I think it's a it's just interesting is to me is for me for some reason identity has always been like um, a huge mission to find out. Um, and uh and being extreme is a huge part of my life um and I don't know why but it's like so it's really interesting to see to me um like the people like you that kind of have that's not you know it's you just are who you are and it's not Mm -hmm. like this unattainable thing outside yourself which seems obvious it's just you are who you are but I feel like I I really relate to the idea of like trying on a bunch of things super extremely and then like being like one day like, wait, what? And, you know, and just like, um, but and just, yeah, my whole life is like trying to find out who I am, which is really weird in a lot of ways. But um, I guess, can you um, talk about uh, the experience of um, the Hare Krishna stuff? Because I feel like people don't really 
And I mm-hmm. don't really know that much about what like the day to day looks like and and what's really going on there. But I, I do know that I think it's super cool. <laughs> yeah, well, it's 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 a fascinating world. Um, it's, you know, Hare Krishna is a sect of Hinduism. Um, and the name Hare Krishna is kind of like a, it's, it's what they're called sort of colloquially, uh, the colloquial, you know, the Hare Krishnas. I think it was the media in the US came up with that name. But um, there's a, a tradition that goes back to, I think, the Middle Ages um, in India. And there was a, a spiritual leader, sort of a guru figure called Chaitanya. And this was the time of the Muslim rule in India, so like late middle, late medieval period, early modern, and um, this Chaitanya, he was um, a sort of an aesthetic, aesthetic um, mystic, and he was going around uh, singing and dancing, and this I think was quite new in Hinduism, but it existed in Islam, you know, with Sufis. Um, the the music and dance is really important part of the Sufi tradition and especially in India because the Sufis, they, that's how they attracted people to Islam um, and so he started to sing and dance in the street and I think he faced some like persecution and um, and then you know he had some mystic experiences and uh, he, he had a following um, and followers. And, and so it was kind of like a branch of Hinduism that developed from Chaitanya in uh, Bengal, so around the area of Calcutta. And this tradition, they worship Krishna uh, as, their, as, the, as their main god. Of course, Hare Krishna believed that Krishna is like the, the, the god, supreme god. But in, in Indian traditions, there are multiple gods. But for, for Hare Krishna, Krishna is the supreme god. And, um, and this tradition, you know, it lasted for, for centuries throughout the British period. And finally, in the 1960s, this, um, this yeah, devote, Krishna devotee, um, they, they call them Gaudiya, Gaudiya Vaishnava. Um, he was a pra- practitioner of this faith and he was basically given a mission by his guru to spread um, the Krishna philosophy um, outside of India um, and to go to the United States and that's what he did he went he left in the 60s um, on a boat because you know in those days people were still traveling sometimes by boat and uh, with 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 no money um, he was really penniless and he arrived in New York and he lived in, in you know, like a, a slum of New York. Um, I, I think it was like Manhattan Island, but somewhere not very nice. And uh, <laughs> he was just uh, there alone, no friends, no family. And then he would go to the park and he would do chanting and singing and people just, uh, gathered around him and very quickly uh, this um, this little group formed around his name was Prabhupada and uh, and it just mushroomed uh, very very quickly into something very big and I think that was because it was just at the right time it was the 1960s it was the hippie it was the beginning of the hippie movement and yeah the counterculture and a lot of these 
uh, kind of countercultural icons like, uh, for example, um, oh, what was his name? The uh, the poet, the really famous poet um, from the United States. Oh, what was his name? He was really he. Uh, really famous Howell. He wrote Howell. Um, oh, Burroughs? No. Um, was it? Jack no. Kerouac? I can't remember. Oh, um... <laughs> Ginsberg. Oh, yeah, yeah, Alan yeah. Ginsberg. Totally, yeah. <laughs> Alan, yeah. I'm like, so oh. Alan, <laughs> Alan Ginsberg, uh, he was yeah. one of the very early Prabhupada's sort of followers you know he wasn't he didn't get too deeply I think involved in in Hare Krishna but he was he was a proponent uh, of uh of Prabhupada um very early on and even he went on like tv shows and he did the Hare Krishna mantra on the tv show and so uh that's that kind of like introduced Prabhupada to this like very young you know, and the new generation, counterculture, people who were like interested in Eastern tradition, Eastern philosophies, which was very fashionable as well at that time. And uh, and it just was like you know, right place, right time. And then it just grew into this huge uh, religious, um, religious organization with temples all over the world. Um, and uh, and even back in India, so Prabhupada eventually went back to India and built these huge um, temples. And um, I think the date, you know, the beliefs of Hare Krishnas are quite in line with Hindus. Um, you know, so it's belief in reincarnation, karma. Um, they're very strict vegetarians, and there are lots of dietary restrictions, um, which you know, not that easy for a lot of people to follow. I would say it's a it's quite evangelical. Um, even you could say it's like, and a lot of Harry Christians would not be happy with me saying this, but it's. Um, I would say, from my perspective, it's an evangelical form of, of Hinduism. They're quite um, big on, you know, preaching, um, and and it's quite a literal interpretation of the of the scriptures. Oh, that's interesting. Um, I always wonder, like who the groups or sects are of different religions that are like the ones that are like these words are the you know what I mean it's so yeah, far yeah. out like <laughs> that's so cool <laughs> yeah so they, I mean and you know the negative side of that is that it that can lead to fanaticism I would say and right. extremism and there was there was a, a period of the the Hare Krishna sort of history that was definitely culty um, and and uh, very cult like. Basically, after Prabhupada died, uh, there was there were a group of I think eleven gurus that were appointed, um, and they took over sort of parts of the world. So they had these different zones where they were in charge. They were all Westerners. Um, maybe there was one Indian guru, but the rest were all Westerners. Most of them Americans. And um, they, some of them really ruled like kings, you know, yeah. their zones. And uh, it was, you know, very authoritarian, very cult-like. Um, and it took, I think, a long time to then kind of reform and uh, modernize. And, and But, you know, there, there are still issues. There are still issues 
I think mainly because of this uh, very literal interpretation of of scripture. Yeah, yeah, that seems to be that seems to be the the trend is like people are doing something to like sh- like oh my god I have this thing I want to show you and share with you and it it's changed my life it's beautiful like I'm filled with joy and then it's like and then everyone starts to have different opinions and then it becomes like but this word says this you know like so (laughs) um but what was what was your experience like what's a like a daily experience in it if you don't mind sharing that (laughs) yeah well I think it will really depend on how um involved you are so you know you have and, and also it's changed a lot. So I'd say today, um, majority of devotees, Hare Krishna devotees, they live outside the temple. Um, you know, they're part of the congregation, at like in a church situation. And they will visit, you know, once a week or twice a week, something like that. And, um, and for them, you know, really day to day, maybe they do some chanting at home. Um, I guess the dietary thing will be, the biggest thing in their life, you know, being vegetarian, avoiding uh, onions, garlic, eggs, coffee, chocolate, all these kinds of things you're not supposed to eat. <laughs> Whoa, I didn't know about garlic. Why? Yeah. <laughs> Why? Um, I think the idea garlic is um, onions and garlic are uh, supposed to be, they're called like tamasic in Ayurveda. You know, oh, like yeah. A, a, an ancient um, Indian sort of food system, um, medicine, food, yeah. nutritional system. Um, onion and garlic has some qualities that um, Hare Krishna's and other. There are other Hindus who who follow this uh, if they if they follow it very strictly, and um, I think they have some property. They're supposed to have some properties that are not conducive to spiritual life. Basically, right. that's the idea. I can um, understand that they are very um, <laughs> what's it called uh, create havoc uh. yeah <laughs> I think it's like they're pungent, pungent yeah and and uh it's like spice you, you're not supposed to eat too many spices right either, and it it's seems kind like, of like sp- yeah like adrenal plain. things that like affect your yeah. system in some sort of like not hormones but the other way that's like Mm-hmm, excites mm-hmm. your system isn't good for your Ayurveda as far as my very limited understanding but whoa I couldn't do that I could do all yeah. of it but I really like think garlic is a magical food um it's mm-hmm. so healthy um it's and- so healthy <laughs> it's yeah. so healthy <laughs> and that that's I mean Hare Krishna's will mostly especially today where people are a bit less extreme they'll, they'll generally say you know you can eat it for health reasons so, <laughs> um but you know when I was a child it was a big no-no uh, yeah to eat onion, onion garlic as I said coffee because coffee is a stimulant yeah uh chocolate as well as a stimulant yeah um because yes you, you you're not allowed to have any uh what they call intoxicants you know like any um are you allowed to have cinnamon? But that, yes, oh. yes, you can have cinnamon. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, no chocolate, no coffee. Obviously, no alcohol, no cigarettes. You know, um, 
so that I think really, you know, following those dietary rules and chanting, so, you know, chanting Hare Krishna yeah. um, uh, and you would chant Hare Krishna like, you know, every day for, for a certain amount of, you have to chant Hare Krishna a certain amount of times. Um, I would say that those are the main things that you would yeah. do. But in um, your, but, you like living there and everything, what it, because I think whenever you hear about like any, any person that's devoted to any belief, I think is super cool. But I think people have no idea what happens in between the chanting or prayer. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, what do they do yeah. all day? Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, what do you do all day? <laughs> well, the the the, uh, the adults who were living in the temple, uh, they would be out uh, every day, most of them, and they would be selling books. Cool. Um, yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> I bought and, that and before. That, <laughs> <laughs> A lot. Uh, they would be selling books because that's kind of how the Harry Christians made an income as a as a as a organization, and um, and that's kind of what you had to do because you were living there for free you know so that was sort of their job was to yeah. sell books and then uh, they would also be doing maybe at least once or twice a day the harinam where they go on the street uh, singing and dancing um and then you have about three different services religious ceremonies um every day that that you would attend so it's quite a lot um, you would be eating in between, um, you know, communal eating, um, making garlands, and then just some very mundane activities like cleaning and, you know. Uh, and then, but for children, we, we didn't have to do as much. We were, you know, we went to Hare Krishna school, we, but it was also a kind of a, a mix of regular education and, and, uh, and religious education. And we did have to attend some religious ceremonies you know in the temple um the most difficult thing i think for, for for me as a child was uh we had to wake up extremely early in the morning so we were waking up at about 3 a.m well that's morning. not a time to wake up <laughs> that's yeah. not a time to wake up that's way too early okay <laughs> yeah and uh we had to go to bed very very early as well so around i oh, it must have been about six or seven in the evening we were going to bed um and we would wake up really early because the first ceremony was i think around four four thirty five wow. in the morning that's yeah. incredible as do you i mean in your memory do you does that just feel like a psychedelic experience i mean mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. how does that how does your memory feel about that <laughs> I mean, I, I definitely responded quite negatively to uh, waking up so early and going to. I remember being more angry about going to bed um, really right. early. I think so, no kids like to go to bed, no matter they <laughs> they fight that. It's so biz- weird to me. I'm like so. Once I see it's like a reasonable hour to go to sleep, I'm like yes. Yeah, <laughs> but well, I mean. There's one thing going to bed when it's dark, but in the summer, we, you know, we're in the UK and in, in the UK in the summer, it get, doesn't get dark until about 10 oh, at whoa. night in the summer. So we, we were going to bed at like six and it's full daytime. Aww. And that was really, really, really difficult. You know, you want to be outside playing until it gets 
start you don't want to be going to bed so, yeah. so you can wake up at three, three yeah totally the was there anything like between the kids I know that there is between the adults but th- was there like you know like kids there's like popular ones or whatever but was it like cool to be into it or was it cool to not be into it I think when you're in something that's so like all-encompassing as as Harry Krishna was because we were living in a community and we were yeah. kind of shut off from, from the rest of the world uh there's no alternative so you okay. don't even think you don't you you kind of that's all you know really um but of course you know there were the older children so I was very little right um but the I do remember older children of course rebelling um and you know what is interesting is that uh very few people of my generation uh who grew up in the Hare Krishna movement whereas I think um let's say were as devout as their parents yeah right very very few very few um I think that's oh sorry yeah totally did you think it was cool like because I know I've like Jehovah's Witness people or whatever, like when they were kids and they saw the like, you know, teenagers being like uh, breaking the rules, like some of them were like, that's cool. And some of them were like, oh, my God, you know what I mean? Like, did you yeah. did you think it was cool if you saw someone that wasn't into it or were you like, <laughs> well, well, when I was really in it, when I was living there, I didn't. I wasn't even, I didn't know anyone who wasn't. Okay. Um, and, and I definitely didn't know any kids, kids who were breaking the rules. Uh, okay, sorry. Just, I'm like, tell me about the rebels. <laughs> yeah. But of course, of course, by the time I was um, eight years old, I went to live with my grandmother and um, I was completely separated from that world. Then I had a, I, I could make my own mind up about how, you know, how I felt about it and whether I wanted to be a Hare Krishna or not. And um, I, I didn't. So it was, um, you know, I, by the time I was a teenager myself, my mother was still heavily involved. I would still go with her to the temple, but I had very little interest in it. Um, and I was quite hostile towards towards <laughs> the, the, the whole the whole the whole thing, um, mainly because the rules were I found the rules to be excessive, and um, and yeah, even when I was very small and living inside the temple, I I always had this feeling that there was um, something not quite right um, with the adults. You know, I think <laughs> children are, children are very perceptive and. I remember there were a lot of fanatics and, and it was clear to me that they were fanatical and a bit unhinged to certain people. Um, and that, you know, and then as I became like older, as I got older, I was a teenager, that just, you know, that those feelings grew stronger and I became very, very critical. Right. Well, I think that that's super interesting is that um, like any extreme isn't that great, I think probably, but like, I've noticed or the way I look at like drug, like I used to be a drug addict or (laughs) I guess, I don't know if you always are, but it's, I think I did that to have a structure. Like I couldn't create a structure on my own. So being addicted gave me like something to do. And I think that that's similar to like a, 
it sounds bad, but just like when you can't make your own schedule and you can't do something, having someone else completely take your uh, schedule and make it for you is 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 not that great, probably. Like there's great parts about it, but I think if you're seeing that from a perspective of someone that didn't doesn't maybe need a schedule, doesn't maybe need like super strict rules because you, you know, like as a kid, that's bad. You know, you're like, I don't want to do rules. Um, you know, <laughs> but like I think sometimes people like myself is that I'm always trying to get away from that, but part of me really wants, I think that that's the reason why people find religion and, um, and why people go back to religion after they go away from it is like, oh, I like the structure of it. But I think at a certain point, you're like, I don't like structure. I don't want it at all. Um, you know, and it's, it's interesting. Like, uh, well, it, it, it's an interesting point because I would say the vast majority of these first generation of Hare Krishnas who joined in the 60s and 70s had been, uh, you know, taking drugs uh, recreationally. Um, I don't know if I would say they were drug addicts, but certainly some of them were. And um, <laughs> and, and many of them were, uh, had very, un- you know, they were living that hippie lifestyle where all... Um, all rules have been broken down and um, boundaries have been broken down. And a lot of people were really lost actually. And, um, and they needed some structure and they needed some, some tradition because they were kind of disconnected probably from their own familial traditions and cultures, um, you know, cause it was like the 20th century. So it was a time where there was this great decoupling from traditional religion and uh and I think a lot of people felt a bit lost and so the Hare Krishna I totally understand I could get the appeal for a lot of like broken people um and my mother was one of them you know she was a bit younger than the first generation um you know because she was a child during the 60s but she was definitely after the whole punk experience looking for an antidote to to all the craziness um sadly she just went into something equally as crazy (laughs) but um that seems on the surface to be um more stable yeah well i it makes so much sense to me because i feel like that's why the movie just like spoke to me super hard is that like i feel like that's kind of what we're doing on tour and, and as a band we're like it is like a religious quest. Like we are, it's the same thing. We're lost trying to find ourselves, trying to find community. Um, and we're all have our own t- like sort of idea of what message we're spreading, but it under other circumstances, I could imagine choosing something someone else made like Hari Krishna or something like Mm-hmm. I don't know what little difference happened where I wasn't exposed to a specific thread of um, ideology that made it so that I'm devout to something aside from like my band, which I know is ridiculous, but I think it at the core of it is the same thing. It's like um, to be connected, to have like be goal oriented, um, to be spiritual and uh, particularly after just being like, 
like shit's messed up and I don't like it. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to talk about it and sing about it. And my identity is going to be about that. And then shifting to like, wait a second, like maybe there is something, you know, something else besides Mm -hmm. this like 3D bullshit we're so worried about. Like, you know, it makes so much sense to me. I, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, it seems like a natural progression. I think it is really cool. And it must have been so hard to have done that when she did that, because now people can do it. And it's like totally makes sense. Like, you know, everyone's like, I'm a witch or whatever, you know. (laughs) But back then it was like, try talking to people about that. And like, people think you're crazy. And I guess that's what the Krishna's helped is like, you can have these ideas of like, whatever, and it makes sense to other people. You know, absolutely. I mean, my mother was you know, kind of a searcher before she met, you know, met up with the Hare Krishnas, she was um, looking into other, other like traditions, other organizations. She was, um, when she was a teenager before X-ray space, like she ran away from home when she was 15 and she toured um, the pop festivals. They were like rock festivals at the time in the, in the countryside. She was hitchhiking and, she came across a lot of um, a lot of different groups, like uh, you know, cults. <laughs> she yeah. came across the the uh, children of God, the the Moonies, the Scientologists, you know. Yeah. That and uh, she would talk to everyone. That's what my mum. She was that type of person. She would talk to everyone. Yeah. Open to to every everything really. Um, but she definitely didn't find her tribe, you know, yeah. until Sorry. until until the Hare Krishnas. But I, she was very much, you know, into what we call the New Age. Um, for you know, since she was a teenager, she oh, was okay, cool. fascinated. Yeah, she was fascinated with uh, everything. Yeah, like from the occult to yeah witchcraft to you know, Chinese, uh, the I Ching, you know, she, the whole, yeah. she was just totally uh, interest, fascinated with everything that was, um, yeah, like kind of religious, but on the fringes of, of yeah. religion. Yeah. That's so and, uh, cool so to it me. Was, it was, <laughs> yeah. It, and I think a lot of artistic people are spiritual. Um, I don't think you can really disconnect spirituality from art really uh it's coming from a very similar place yeah for sure well I think it I mean I've for me I feel like it's channeling like it's just channeling something and the more spiritual you become which I did not talk about this stuff or think about this stuff until recently but it's like the more in tune you become the easier it is to like channel or the more real it feels and the better it feels like um yeah and like the ego stuff is like you realize oh this isn't for me this is for Mm -hmm. I don't know what it's for but well um can we stop uh pause for one second sure I'm so sorry uh (laughs) um oh yeah I wanted to talk about before you go is uh personally I feel like making a movie is probably the hardest thing in the world um Mm-hmm. do you think it is <laughs> after making one is it was like uh, yeah yeah it's it's 
it's not for the faint hearted. Um, <laughs> absolutely. It, you know, it takes a long time. So it took us about five years. Wow. Uh, from, from start to finish. It's a very expensive endeavor. Um, and it's just full of challenges, really. It's, you know, I, I was also um, in a band, um, you know, for a few years. And I, you know, I used to complain about rehearsing and, <laughs> yeah. and uh, gigging. And, you know, I used to, I used to find that sometimes. Um, but now, after I've, you know, made a film, I'm yeah. like, oh, mu- music is such a breeze. <laughs> yeah <laughs> making it making an album is such a breeze compared to uh making a film yeah 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 are you now that you've made a movie are you gonna make another movie or what do you plan to do next yeah so I plan to make um well I'm working developing my next movie project um <laughs> cool. ho- 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 hopefully it will materialize um, and it's it's going to be about the Hare Krishna movement. So, oh, cool! Uh, um, yeah, <laughs> so it I, I I'm like I want to explore the the story of the children of yeah of the Krishna movement. Wow, that's um, so cool! And the focus will be on the 1980s, that period um, in the 1980s when I was a kid. Uh, there was yeah. a lot going on, a lot going on in the in the Krishna movement at that time and there was a lot going on in the world and there was there were kind of some really unusual connections there between like world events and the Hare Krishnas. So oh cool I can't of- wait for that story because that's that's the time I remember like like the not like late 80s 90s um that's when I first remember seeing Hare Krishnas and being like what is that? Like you get to sing all day. I just thought that that's what they did all day. You know, when you see it, like, and so I was like, that's cool. Like, yeah, it had yeah. a real impact on me being like singing, like air movement, prayer, chanting. I was like, that's cool without thinking too much about it. But uh, now, you know, older, I realized that's just part of it. But I was like, it always was like something I was like, probably do that one day like that makes sense to me but cool so uh what like how are you uh just real quick like what so you have a movie idea what do you do next (laughs) what's like how do you make a movie (laughs) so yeah at at this stage it's like writing so I'm kind of right I'm writing the um concept and you know trying to think of a narrative structure um and the foundation of a script really yeah so there's scripts I mean I'm I'm a big dum-dum but so there's scripts for documentaries yeah I mean not I think you don't have to have a script for a documentary but you need some you need something um to yeah because when you go into the edit when you start editing which right. is later on but you definitely need some kind of structure to then work with an editor okay. and and you're like but yeah it, it's very helpful to have a script even in okay. documentary because documentaries still are still you're still telling a story right so um you know you you want to still be thinking in terms of 
it's it's helpful to think in terms of like uh apps you know like the three right. structure um is, is is also you'll find it in most documentaries as well as features yeah. as uh, as fiction yeah yeah well i ha- documentaries are my most favorite like i can i i think it's cuz i have a hard time watching acting uh, like unless it's there's so many factors that go into you liking an actor and yeah and I don't know but anyways is that uh I love documentaries so much but I guess what I would ask you is there was you know it we I've talked to a lot of people who've made documentaries on here and was there anything that like like one of the people I talked to uh they started the doc- documentary before they found out like someone had been murdered and during the documentary they found out who the murderer was or whatever was there like mm-hmm. anything during your documentary that you were like whoa bombshell like breaking news like was there anything that <laughs> took it off course or answered something you know what i mean <laughs> do you know what i'm trying yes. to ask <laughs> I, I did i did know i mean without with our uh the last documentary that i made um there wasn't anything really because i guess most of what we would it's historical yeah right. so okay. um, so uh, you know everything happens um you know like five years or the, the 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 most like the nearest or the most recent events happened like five years before we started making the okay. film and then but most of the story happened so long ago uh, but of course there are always things to discover and you discover new things as you're as you're making the film and Definitely when I was interviewing um Zoe Howe and I, we were interview interviewing um, you know, people for the film. That's when we really discovered a lot that, you know, we hadn't really I hadn't known about. And so then of course that script, you know, that we had had to had to change. <laughs> um yeah. and and so it's like when you're doing a script for documentary unlike a uh, fiction it's it's much more fluid it's right. you know and it's something it's something you need to add to constantly and change and adapt even as you're make you know even during the edit of the film yeah that's so cool well i i first of all want to thank you so much for coming here and also like thank you that is definitely one of my favorite movies like will always be one of my favorite movies it's perfect to me in every way um i know that that i don't know if that seems weird or something but uh, no no I, it's love it's so nice to hear that really yeah it's like my uh and everyone i know that's seen it has like just been i mean it's such a good movie and uh yeah and it's it's like my perfect like the perfect story you know and and just particularly with your perspective not just like your mom's life yeah. or anything but your perspective on it and like i just think it's the perfect movie i love it so much so thank you so much for making it i can't wait um to see everything you do but what where's the best place this is like a important question is where's the best place to view it that helps you the most um well, in the in the US uh, at the moment, I think there may be still some screening, but okay. um, yeah, if, but I think on if you go to our website, okay, net, um, we have all everywhere that you're able to to see the film, okay. whether it's in the 
in the theater or um or you can also see it like on apple tv um okay. uh where well, you you have to pay like you have to buy it um i bought it on apple <laughs> yeah on, on apple tv and there is other i think even on like google has a tv platform now a okay. film platform and and even youtube you can purchase it on youtube that's what as i did well yeah <laughs> that's what so, i did guys <laughs> sorry yeah so there's lots of ways uh, but yeah you you might still be able to catch it in the theater okay and, and if you are it's always nice because you're supporting your local uh cinema which is i think really important you know especially post pandemic that we support yeah. these uh these theaters so they don't close down <laughs> yeah good point i i agree with you that's a really good point i've i should have gone to the screening but i was we were writing a record and i was in crazy i was oh, like yeah, i cannot yeah. people are gonna <laughs> like i was like all like you know <laughs> spiralize <laughs> but <laughs> I, yeah um, i mean i i say that i i have been to the cinema for ages myself um but it's important it's but, time yeah. to get back out there and uh and yeah they need they need us now <laughs> we need them they do um, well thank <laughs> you so much for coming here um and uh, I hope we get a, we're going to be over there in June. It'd be cool to meet you again. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. I'd love that. I, I'll, I'll most likely be here. So. Okay. And are you based in, in California? Yeah, we're California? in Los Angeles. Yeah. Los Angeles. Yeah. So I will be coming um, hopefully with the exhibition of my mom's artwork in, in the fall, November. Oh, time. cool. That's yeah. awesome. Well, we'll, hopefully i mean we'll definitely go see that that's awesome congratulations thank you well cool have a really good day <laughs> you too you too okay, you take bye. care bye bye bye